Welcome to An Apple a Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy and healthy life. Not as disabled people, but as people with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Welcome to another episode of An Apple a Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. How you feeling today, my friends? You feeling good? You feeling strong? You feeling better than you did yesterday? Excellent. You can't ask for better than that. Hey, I've got some really good news for you today. We've opened up a new chat room. The chat room is all about this podcast. It's called Apple Chat. An Apple a Day Chat. That's right. We're talking about everything that has to do with this podcast. You can find schedules of shows, people that are appearing on our podcast. We're talking about topics that we discussed on the podcast. You, you can give your opinion, good, bad, or indifferent. And you can give suggestions for shows. You can give your opinion of the apple fritter, if you if you like it, if you don't like it. Maybe you want to be on an episode of an apple a day. There's ways that you can get onto the podcast right there. It tells you how you can become a guest. So check it out. It's over at www.famousapple.com forward slash apple chat. That address will be in the show notes to this episode. But check it out. You're going to really enjoy it. We have got a good one for you today. We're speaking with Tina Irwin. Tina Irwin speaks to ghosts. Yes, you heard me right. Tina speaks to ghosts. She helps them cross over. She helps them into the white light. Now you're probably saying, Jimmy, what are you, crazy? No, I'm not crazy. I spoke to Tina. I did some research on her. She's the real deal. So before we start, I want to have Dave give you some background on Tina. So sit back for a second, relax, and listen to what Dave has to tell you. And then I'm going to tell you a little bit of something that happened during our interview. So you're not going to want to miss this. And then I have the interview with Tina. This is all very, I don't want to say strange, but it's different. So sit back, relax, listen to what Dave has to tell you real quick, and I'll be back with you after that. Who is Tina Irwin? Tina Irwin is a ghost helper, not a ghost hunter. She is extremely passionate about being a ghost helper. Her mission is to teach the living how to help the dead and wants to empower everyone to help any ghost they may find. Tina says that this is the compassion we will all want for ourselves. She urges everyone to use the crossing over prayer on her website and in the crossing over prayer book. Tina has studied metaphysics all of her life, gaining insight into the mystical world of magic and spirituality. She is the author of eight books on metaphysics. Her writing comes from an intense desire to know and understand the hard science behind the unseen world of action and reaction combined with a sincere desire to share this understanding with other knowledge seekers. Her lifelong studies into the deeper meaning of events and actions were further enhanced by the experiences of a dynamic 20-year career in the Navy, 
working for the U.S. submarine force, retiring at the commander level. Commander Irwin found the Navy to be a tremendous schoolhouse in which to study all the facets of behavior and karma, from the worst to the finest levels of humanity. She also has a master's degree in business and management. And now, I'll pass this back over to Jimmy. Thanks, David, and I'd like to thank Tina for her service to our country. Like I said, Tina is the real deal. She, she served in the Navy for 20 years, and she's not one of these fly-by-night someone that picked up a Ouija board somewhere. I want to tell you about something that happened when I was editing this interview. I was middle to end of the interview when I picked up something that kind of threw me for a loop. I was I picked up a third voice on our interview. Now, I know Tina was in her location. She was by herself in a her room, and I was in my studio with the door locked, so this way nobody walks in while I'm conducting an interview. And there was a third voice popped up on the tape. Now, I was going to cut it out, but I left it in. I left it in the tape. I did copy it. I copied it. I have outtakes from the interview, but I left it in the interview so that you can hear it. It threw me off. It it honestly threw me off. And I copied three different three different uh, instances in the interview. The first one was Tina and I were talking, and there was maybe two seconds between us talking, and there was a voice that came in and said, "Yes." <laughs> it almost knocked me out of my chair. And then the second one, there was, I was in the middle of interviewing, there was a dead space for about maybe five seconds. And out of nowhere, there was a growl, an absolute growl, a loud growl. I left that in. I shortened the time around it, but I left that in. I copied it. It's on the outtake. And then again, we were talking and there might have been, again, a two, two second two-second cut there between us talking, and a third voice came in and said, yeah, yes, I I was flabbergasted by it, to be honest with you, but I left it in. So when you're listening, you can, you'll hear those. And I'm going to ask you, the listener, as you're listening, see if you hear it any other spot. And if you do, let me know, please. Now, I'll put out the outtakes maybe later on during the week, but this just threw me. Now, I'm not going to hold it up anymore. I want to introduce you to Tina Irwin and listen to this interview. See if you hear anything different in there. See if you hear a third or a fourth voice. But I want you to listen to Tina Irwin. She is a spectacular lady. She has a lot of interesting things to say. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Tina Irwin. As I said, we're here with Tina Irwin. Tina is not the ghost hunter. She is the ghost helper. Now, she's going to explain to you the difference. So sit back, relax, and meet Tina. How are you today, Tina? I am great, Jimmy, and it is so cool to be on your show. I am really honored. I'm so, I, I have been waiting two weeks to get a chance to talk to you. I am, I'm, I'm ready. For, I'm pumped for this, 
interview. I really am. So, Tina, tell us about you. How did you start being a ghost helper? You know, sometimes life finds you. And, you know, the line from Mr. Holland's opus, life is what happens while you're making other plans. Yes. Um, You know, I'm a retired naval officer. I spent 20 years in the Navy. I retired at the commander level. I worked for the submarine force. I had an awesome career. I love the Navy, and I really, really enjoyed the men I, you know, I got to work with, some of the finest people you'd ever want to meet. Thank you for your service. Oh, you're very welcome. I really, I really loved it. Um, And I married a submariner. I've been married 50 years. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) 50 years, yeah. I I look in the mirror and go, gee, how does that happen? But anyway, (laughs) so... (laughs) Where I'm going with this is along the way, when I met my husband, I mean, I'd always been pretty psychic, but when I met my husband, which was pretty much love at first sight, my first day at my first duty station, I realized it's like somebody turned a switch and my psychic ability just exploded. And a lot of things just began to happen more and more and more. He seemed to be marrying him was a real turning point. But I'm a naval officer, so, you know, psychic things aren't supposed to happen, right? Yes, you would think. It's just that you would think. But, you know, I'm very, I'm left-brained and I'm right-brained. You have to be left-brained to work with submariners. And you have Mm -hmm. to be right-brained to understand the craziness that's happening to you in the fourth dimension, which is the place where ghosts live. And it's how premonitions come to you and things like that. So if you're if you're gonna really understand this, you had to really study, which I have been doing all my life. I, I, I go to bed at night and I'm still studying. And so um, when we were stationed in um, Italy, we were stationed in Naples for three years. I, I mean, it was I just felt ghosts here and there, and things were happening. But when we moved back to Charleston, we moved back to the states, and in Charleston, everything in Charleston is haunted. Yes. Everything is haunted. I mean, you've got Revolutionary War and Civil War and War of 1812 and slavery and death and 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 just normal people who died, <laughs> you know, living their life. And so we bought a house that was 18 months old, and it was so profoundly haunted. It was jaw-dropping. Old? The house was 18 months old, and this is a really... We had some conversation before we we started the show, and it's and this is sort of a good segue because the house was 18 months old, but the property has no age. It's the age of the planet, and things happen on property that is called predecessor energy. Well, I never heard of predecessor energy, so I couldn't figure out how can an 18-month-old house be this freaking haunted. Well, then I took pumped up my courage and I asked my neighbor and she took a deep breath and she says, oh my God, this house is so haunted. I mean, I said, your house or mine? She said, my house. She said, you know what? I bet everybody else's house is haunted too. And I said, okay. So she went to the garden club and all they could talk about was how haunted their houses were. And it was, it was kind of jaw dropping because one woman would come downstairs every morning and there would be a rocking chair and it had been moved in front of a blank wall where obviously 
in another time and place, there was a window, and the rocking chair was rocking. Wow. Freaked her out. Another woman came downstairs every morning, and her furniture was completely rearranged, and it didn't, they didn't make a sound. Uh, she moved. It just completely freaked her out. I can understand that. Um, my neighbor had, she had jewelry stolen and all kinds of things stolen, and she had all kinds of weird phenomena happen to her. And I had, I mean, the, I wrote a, I wrote three ghost story books, ghost stories from the ghost point of view. The very first story in the very first book is this house in Charleston. And I, from the night I moved in, I could hear footsteps. I didn't know how do you remove a ghost. I didn't know how to do that. And I am always grateful to this ghost because it pushed me to, to greater and greater levels of research. I called Duke University School of Parapsychology. They had not a clue. They said, we just study them. We have no idea how you get rid of them. And I thought, you know, this guy was a prankster. He would do all the, he was a prankster and a thief. And sometimes he saved my life. Really? So, yes, I went to get in. My husband was at sea and I was driving his 240Z to work. That's how old I am. We had a a new 240Z. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There you go. Anyway, so, um, and the car just won't start. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I can't have my husband's car break down. He's going to have a fit. So I drove a a different car to work. And um, in the afternoon, I had it towed to our mechanic in Somerville. And as soon as I get there, the car starts right up and humming right along. And I said, I think I'm losing my mind here. And he said, no. He said, let me tell you, it's a good thing this car didn't start. I said, okay. And that is because he said, see this, your fan belt is going to go. And when it goes, you're going to cause your engine to seize. Thank God you didn't drive the car. You would have been in a terrible wreck. Really? And so I said, thank you, Jake. We named him. He was mischievous. Um, he, he was just, uh, one night he, he was, it sounded like he was washing dishes in the kitchen and it was Halloween. I, I know how prosaic is that? How cliche. And it was so terrifying. Our Siamese cats just were, they look like puffballs. And so we called the police. My sister was living with us. She was going to college and she was living with us. So we called the police and my sister called her boyfriend. We did tell the police her boyfriend was, was going to be there. And they arrived at the same time, and they checked the house, and they said, your back door was being jimmied, and something must have scared him away. And I said, yeah, we turned on every single light in the house. And he said, well. And I'm thinking to myself, if if I hadn't heard the dishes in the kitchen clanking like someone was washing and loading the dishwasher and clinking glasses, and the kitchen was immaculate, it didn't need any dish to be washed. And so the police said, well, you're really lucky because something scared him away. And that, that, whoever that was never came back. Wow. And we would wake up sometimes, and all the doors and windows were wide open in Charleston in the summer. All doors and windows. And that house had an enormously expensive alarm system. Because my husband spent 42 years at sea. And it was freezing, and I couldn't figure out how. And the alarm was still on. How did he do that and not trigger the alarm? 
I, I mean, we had some really terrifying moments, but we're, and, you know, I'd look in the mirror and I go, you're a naval officer. How can this be happening? You're a naval officer. How can this be happening? And I'm here to tell you, it can happen because it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, what you think you know, what church you go to, or what you think you believe in. When it happens to you, it's terrifying. It, exactly. Exactly. It's the fear of the unknown. And, and so, you know, I consider myself a, you know, pretty forthright individual. And I thought this is not going to get the best of me. So I, like I say, I studied and studied and we eventually moved to Virginia beach and lived in of all places, which duck point. They used to dunk <laughs> witches and get any stranger, but we didn't have ghostly problems there because I was flying all over the world for the Navy during that time. So we moved to, um, from Norfolk to San Diego where we lived for a long, long time. And it was like somebody opened a door and all the ghosts on the planet felt like they found me. So um, I had to really step up my knowledge base. And um, through a chain of events, I learned how to cross over the dead. And I also learned at the same time how to remote view. I didn't go to a school. It's not a skill you should ever want to have because it comes with staggering responsibility. I don't teach it. And I have to follow spiritual law when I use it. But it enabled me to clear houses at a distance. So that's, that's how I got started. And I wrote, uh, I've written many books. One of the, the most recent one is the Crossing Over Prayer book, which is on my website and now on Amazon. It's also an audio book. And it has 88 prayers that help the living and the dead, whether it's suicide or murder. There's even a prayer to cross over murderers. There's a really, there's a big reason you want to cross them over. So, um, because if they don't, if you don't cross over the murderer of the person who took your loved one, they will haunt your loved one in death and they will haunt the family. Really? Yes. I have seen this over and over and over and the difference makes it's huge because they will reincarnate and murder again and again and again if you don't cross them over. And just because you cross them over doesn't mitigate the karma, it doesn't erase the karma of what they did. It just gets them out of the lower astral. I have a question for you. I was going through your website, and on your website, there's a lot of talk about heaven and crossing people over to heaven world, but there's no talk of hell. And like you're saying, crossing over a murderer. Now, you're going to help cross over a murderer into heaven? Yes. And the reason is because when, let's take a second, if it's all right with you, to talk about what happens when you die. Because I think this is a really good point to explain that. Okay. And when you are, um, when you, when you leave your body, you shed the mortal encasement and you go back to what you used to be which was a form of energy right if you follow thermodynamics energy is neither created nor destroyed and so consequently you are not ever destroyed so the body dies and you know becomes composed the soul is eternal. It's what Christ meant when he talked about life 
everlasting. Spent a lot of years studying Christ. Mm-hmm. And so you leave your mortal, your the soul exits the body, the silver cord that connects you to your body as a soul in the heart is cut, and you move into what's called the fourth dimension. So you live in the third dimension. That's the dimension of time and space and gravity. Gravity gives anchors you in time so you can have the experiences and you are grounded. Once you leave your body, you're in the fourth dimension. You travel with the speed of thought. You ricochet among your family members. When my mother died in North Carolina, I was in San Diego. I knew instantly when she left her body. I could feel her standing in my kitchen. Really? Yes. And I'm not alone. Millions of people have felt the same thing. They're not crazy. They're just feeling something that is actually quite normal. We need to give some normalcy to people who have these experiences and honor what their what their experience is. And I and so you move into the fourth dimension. Now some people don't know they're dead. That's a problem. Some people do know they have died, but they don't know what to do. So in the movie Ghost, you saw that Patrick Swayze left his body and this light came. And he knew he should go toward it, but at first he didn't think he was dead. And then the light disappeared for a while. And he didn't, he, the movie is slightly distorted because he was focused on finding his murderer. And it was a really, really good story. Right. Very well done and extremely accurate with what happens uh, after death. You don't die. You just, you are who you are. And whatever it was you were wearing at death is what you continue to wear. And if you're naked, oh, well, it's quite surprising (laughs) if you see a ghost. So um, I'll have a little humor in here. So what happens is that, and I've had cases where someone was in a wheelchair all their life. They had an accident. They were disabled. They were in a wheelchair. And they thought they still had to stay in the wheelchair. That's another reason for, this is my passion, is to, to help the living cross over everyone. I remember crossing this guy over, and he said, you mean I don't need a wheelchair anymore? And I just wanted to burst into tears. No, sir, you don't. It's You're free now. Anyway, so when the murderer died in Ghost, the guy who murdered Patrick Swayze, these little dark guys came for him. Right. Those little guys are called, they have a name. They're called lower realm intelligences, and they are very real. And they operate in what you would call hell, but it's just the fourth dimension. But like everything else, your frequency at death, everything vibrates to a frequency. Your frequency at death determines what level you are in the fourth dimension. And hopefully you have the sense to go into that light when it comes. But a lot of people don't. They tell me they were born in sin and they died in sin and God couldn't love them, which is a lie. It's not true. It's just done to control you and make you feel guilty. It's a lie. Don't believe it. I guess I'm pretty specific. So... The the point is that that murderer will go into the lower astral and he will reincarnate as a murderer. He will do it again, life after life. So when you 
cross over a murderer, you're not sending him to heaven for, you know, to sit on a cloud and be rewarded for his evil deeds. You are sending him to heaven because the reason he's a murderer is because life after life, pieces of his soul were shaved off until he has no conscience. Life has no meaning. Your death is, means nothing. Once you recross him into the heaven world, and we know this is true because it's in the 23rd Psalm, he restores my soul. How is the soul of a murderer ever restored? It isn't. It just, they just become darker and darker, and then they become mass murderers, and then they become governmental mass murderers. So, in other words, you're, you're helping to pass this guy on to send him back to become worse? No, when you cross him into heaven, his soul is restored. He is given an opportunity to see what happened to him over time, how he became so degraded. I mean, if you look at a soul as a puzzle, and you can never be complete if, you, if life after life, pieces of the puzzle are taken away. You're never fully there. You see these people, they have dark eyes, and they're, you hear people say their eyes are dead. So Parts then, of their soul are dead. So when you cross them over, they may not come back for a very long time. And when they come back, they, their karmic suitcase is still with them, which means that all of the karma they created when they did those horrible things is still their karma. And that has to be balanced. And karma will put them in a position where they have to atone, and it can take lifetimes to atone. But that process has to start somewhere. And when you cross them over, then you start that process and you reduce the number of murderers because you won't reincarnate as a murderer. It's what is the greatest good. But a lifetime, a lifetime in an eternity is like a blink of an eye. That's true. And one of the problems is, the reason I am so grateful to you for giving me an opportunity to share this is because people have these patterns. People are raped life after life. People are murdered by the same people life after life. I've done so many regressions, and the same guy murders this woman life after life, or she murders him. And when does this stop? When do we really step up and say, you know, it needs, you know, let there be peace and love in the world, let it begin with me and let it begin with crossing over the dead, no matter who they are. So this is only somebody, this is what, Megan, this is almost like reincarnation that you're talking about. No, it's not almost. It definitely is. It. Oh, okay. Okay. So what I'm talking about is when this soul reincarnates, he will reincarnate in a, in, in a, situation commensurate with his karma because don't you ever ask yourself how come these evil people just keep coming back and coming back and coming back yeah how can they just keep doing that well they're never crossed over they just reincarnate as these hideous murderers over and over and over now that's why let me ask you a question how do you how do you explain like evil spirits okay well let's 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 get rid of the word spirit 
All right. Evil because ghost. spirit can be, okay, an evil ghost is a murderer who is having a great time. He or she knows they're dead, and they're just having a blast tormenting the living. And you can cross those people over, too. But if they don't now, want to Now, if you're dealing, uh, that's why you use the crossing over prayer. Why, that Because once you're starting them? to say that it forces them. Let me give you an example. And this is from... Um, a client in Upper State, New York. Okay. And this was a, mo- um, a mom who had a four-year-old. And she, the four-year-old kept hearing this man tell her mother, kill your baby, kill your baby, kill your baby, kill your daughter, kill your daughter. And that man was her grandfather who was a convicted, executed murderer. Wow. And she, she didn't know how to get him to leave. He didn't cross into heaven. Why would he do that? He's having way too much fun haunting the living and and furthering more murder. Kill her, kill her, kill her. This little girl's terrified. Her mother's going to give in. And so she writes to me, and I said, uh, this is before I wrote the prayer for murderers. I said, here's a crossing over prayer. This is how you use it. You, you say this prayer over and over. And when you say this prayer, take your power back from this man. He's been horrible for lifetimes. It's time for you to, to take charge of the situation. You say that prayer with authority over and over and over because, by God, you mean it. And she said the prayer over and over and over with authority. Because in that prayer, you're calling forth angels to take this soul. You're asking for specific help. You're not saying, oh, I hope the ghost goes away. That's worthless. You didn't burn a little sage, which is also, by the way, completely worthless, unless you're <laughs> making sausage, I think. So, so what happened was she did exactly what I told her. And she said it again and again. It's sort of like she became obsessed saying it over and over and over. And all of a sudden, she felt a shift. Like the energy in the room just shifted and changed. And Jimmy, I know you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And when, and when that happened, he was gone. And her little girl looks at her and she says, Oh, Mommy, the bad man is gone now. Because her four-year-old was psychic and she could see him. And the prayer worked so well, he didn't ever come back. Because once you cross these terrible people into the heaven world, it's not like they're coming back to visit you on Sunday or something. Right. They're gone. Let me ask you, you just said something with the sage. Do you believe in any of that, the, the, the outside things like sage or putting salt around the house or any of that? Do you believe in any of that? It's not a function of belief. It's a function of physics. If you can't prove it to yourself using physics, because God is the first scientist, let's be blunt. Right. If you can use physics to prove it, then you are bringing enormous balance to an out-of-balance situation. So sage has no horsepower on a frequency level. How do we know this? Because when the Christ child was born, the three magi or the three white magicians who came to see him didn't bring him sage. They brought him frankincense and myrrh. 
They are resins. And frankincense and myrrh have been used for millennia in the Middle East. Nobody in the Middle East in their right mind would use sage. They know it's worthless. You use frankincense and myrrh as a resin. And the reason it's the combination frankincense and myrrh is because the energy and frequency of myrrh turbocharges frankincense. That's why. Okay. There are other resins, such as dragon's blood. I mean, we've all been in Catholic Church where they use the thurible and they go up and down the aisle. What are they burning? They're burning dragon's blood or sangre de dragone. And you can buy them in all the Pope shops in Italy. And so dragon's blood is another extremely powerful resin. It will clear your house. I mean, hands down, it will clear your house. Okay. So, uh, yes, and, and salt. Just... Let's go back to salt. I use salt, and, but I don't, you know, put salt all around my house because, one, it kills your plants, and the rain washes it away, and it, it's, it's ridiculous. But if you were to get a four-pound salt lick that they have at feed stores and you put it on the floor in the corners of your rooms, which I have in my house, you shift the energy of your house so radically and so dramatically, these beings cannot come in, period. Because of the salt. But because of the salt. And I do, it's a layered approach. If you're going to keep ghosts out, it's like, it's like playing in the snow in Wisconsin in, when there's, you know, a, 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 you're in a blizzard and a snowstorm. Would you walk out naked? Of course not. You'd freeze to death. So what do you do? You wear layers of clothing to protect you. So salt is one layer of protection. To be able to protect yourself from these beings. I could do just a whole dissertation on all the different layers. Salt is just one layer. It's a huge help, but there's a whole lot of layers you need, depending on your level of psychic ability and what you're doing. And is that help? Is that helpful? Yeah, it makes sense. Now, what what about holy water? Well, you have to forgive me that I'm not a fan of the Catholic Church. I was abused as a child by a priest. Okay. So, um, I am not a fan. And if you have a pedophile who's blessing water, would you really want to spread that anywhere? Oh, um, not all priests are pedophiles, but not all priests are pedophiles. But really, how would you know? So, no, I, holy water is worthless. You can make your own holy water. I wouldn't take holy water from a church if you paid me. But I would offer anyone, anywhere, the opportunity to make their own holy water by holding, doing a, a glass of, of spring water, not Dasani or, you know, not some bottled water or, or well water, not distilled. Distilled has no life in it, mm-hmm. just spring water. And maybe put some crystals in it, some clean crystals like amethyst and rose quartz and maybe shungite. And then when you do that, you hold your hands around the glass and you ask God or you ask that the glass be filled with the light of Christ consciousness. Anyone on earth can do that. Okay. So you're calling forth the light of Christ consciousness. You are filling that glass with this beautiful light. 
All right, so we're back and to you, we're back to holy water. So I'm a, that's so what I'm asking. Do you do you believe holy depends water? Depends on how you make the holy water. I mean, holy water is. I mean, you have to use it right away. So, and sprinkling holy water around your house, I, I, to me, it's worthless. I mean, you can use it on your plants. You can drink it if someone's ill. But sprinkling holy water around your plants is, you know, around your house. I just, it's just, it's just not going to do anything for you. Okay. And what are what are the protections do you believe you can put around your house to? It, it's inside your house. Inside your. And house. it will echo out. First of all, play the music of Mozart. Um, I was a terrorist expert for the submarine force, and I went to commercial companies and said, "How do you keep crime down? I don't care what dimension you're in. Evil is evil." Right. And they said, "Well, we play elevator music." Well, I saw on the I saw on the news yesterday, this guy is playing classical music outside of his Seven Eleven, and all of the theft stopped. Really. Because the frequency changed. If you play Mozart or some of the most beautiful opera, Puccini, and you don't even have to hear it. You play that music at a super high level or the solfeggio frequencies, or you play, um, I can't think of all the different frequencies, but these super high frequencies, you shift the frequency of every single thing in your house, all the metal, all the crystal, all the wood, everything then becomes in resonance with a higher frequency. And all you did was play beautiful music. And it, uh, you, uh, you don't even have to hear it. That's, a, that's, I mean, that's, that's very interesting. Yes, right it's a now, frequency thing. Right now, New York City could use that. They could blast that over, over the five boroughs. Yes, they could. With everything that's going but, on, that's, that's very interesting, though. I'm making a joke, yes. but that, that is very interesting. Well, what, you know, what I'm trying to do is give your listeners practical tools. And, and I'm dispelling a lot of myths. Sage doesn't work. Holy water is pretty much worthless unless you're going to drink it or water your plants with it. But spreading it around your house isn't going to do anything but music. And if you're a person who loves beautiful music and you, you crank it up and it just fills your house, your plants will love you. Your animals will love you. Illness will start to leave you. You raise your frequency just with gorgeous music. Um, iconography, like pictures of angels um, for people who love Christ or love Buddha or, you know, beautiful, beautiful photography. I had an Egyptian... Um, an Egyptian architect that uh, went to one of his classes on biogeometry. He said, when you have beautiful art around you, pictures of nature, what happens is you raise the frequency because there's such a creative force in every piece of art and it emanates. Some pieces of art speak to you forever because that creative spark is emanating throughout your house. If you do blessing and prayer night after night, and you visualize your house filled with the light of Christ consciousness or filled with the light of the Buddha nature, and you send love and healing to the world night after night, you raise the frequency of your dwelling. People are not as sick. Your, you know, your mechanical things don't break down hmm. because the frequency is not a frequency of illness 
or destruction because darkness, a ghost, these dark beings have a sootiness about them. No matter how much you clean your house, your house will never be clean. Wow. So when you raise the frequency and you burn dragon's blood, um, I have a combination of dragon's blood, benzo, and frankincense, and myrrh. And you can grind them sometimes with a coffee grinder, but it runs up your coffee grinder. Um, but just get, you know, get it powdered. Do not use incense. It's worthless. It's made with a lot of different um, elements that will not be for your greater good. Uh, when you do these things, um, you, you're all, you, all of these things are going to raise frequency. Lots and lots. I have a book out called Karma and Frequency, and I list all these things. And so many people ask me. And this will clear your house. It clears your house, but don't do it just once. Make it part of your new habit. You don't want to go back to where you were. So, like a, a lot of people have a, a CD that they play on a continuous loop, a barely audible level, and stuff in their house just doesn't break down. So this is something that you would do on a daily basis or a weekly basis? I would do it. I mean, there are a lot of things I do daily, yes. And it keeps your energy positive, keeps your house. Keeps your energy positive. It keeps your house positive. And like the guy who played, who played classical music, people stopped robbing him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, my God, how simple is that? It's what we would call a non-lethal weapon. <laughs> I hate to say, you know, you weaponize music, but that's one of the things I did was come up with non-lethal weapons for the Navy. Wow. It's a, and so it's how do you keep away something that's negative so that you don't harm, you know, your billion-dollar assets, the crew, or the surrounding civilian population? So you have a store that gets robbed and someone might use a weapon. So you use the simplest solution. You use music. Oh, and there's another one, green light bulbs. If you have kids that think they see monsters at night, put a green light bulb in their room, and you'll, you and your kid will sleep at night. And how is that? Now I... It's the frequency of green, not red or blue. Blue will wake you up, but green will keep you... It, it really, really makes a huge difference in keeping your house at a much higher level at night. Maybe you have a green light at your front door. They're called party lights. Home Depot, Lowe's, sell them. They're 25-watt lights. And you just put them at your front door, your back door, or you put them in your hallway. Works I, like a charm. I would think that would scare the crap out of a kid to have a green light in his room. No. To in be fact, honest. Um, yeah, but think about it. A green light is my uh, one of my granddaughters was constantly complaining that there was a monster under her bed. So her parents put a green light under the bed. She never complained again. Now there's a green monster under her bed. <laughs> no, not only that. I have a, a client in Texas. Yeah. Who had a super psychic nine year old. As soon as we started putting, she started. I got the mom to put green lights everywhere. She is in love with them. Really? Because she just is so thrilled 
that she has these tools. The, mom, the mom's doing all of these things. I work with parents of psychic kids and um, in helping them to, to be able to um, help their kids. And right. so she did every single thing I, I told her to do. And she was a lot more than this. Um, and all of a sudden, she's sleeping. This kid is now sleeping in her own bed, which she wouldn't sleep in her own bed before she was terrified. I just think of myself as a kid. I had an old assistant. Now, you, you, we're, we're probably, I might even be a little bit older than you. But when we, when we were kids, my sister had a doll that stood about three feet tall. And it was down in the basement, standing in the corner. And I'd go down the basement, and that doll would scare the crap out of me. And I could just picture if there was a green light down there. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'd have to kill the doll. Well, let's look. Let's go back to what what bothered you about the doll. The doll was watching. The, well, it's the, doll, the eyes. Exactly. The eyes would follow you all over the basement. That's why people hate clowns. Oh, clowns don't bother me. And that me. was one. Yeah, well, clown. Look at the clown in the uh, Poltergeist, the, the Spielberg movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I there was a, there were clown and scene after scene. It was how the eyes followed you. So removing the doll. I mean, all you had to do was just you know put a cloth over it. It's like going into a hotel room. That television that faces the bed is like an eye watching you. Cover it with a towel. You'll sleep better. I came from the Bronx. In, in my view, I would have knifed the doll. <laughs> but no, that just that doll used to scare me. And if, it, if there was a green light down there, I don't know what I would have done. But well, I would encourage you to try it. You might it it might change your mind. Well, I I I'm I'm down to try anything. But now, like I was telling you before we started, now I look for the ghost. Now I, I, I honestly look for the ghost. I'm, I'm intrigued by it now. Maybe because I'm getting closer to that point in my life. But now I'm, in, I'm, I'm intrigued by it because I want to know what is on the other side. You know, I want to know if you know. I, I believe I. I have a strong faith that there is something on the other side waiting for me. And I've had my share of experiences throughout my life. And that's why I was, I, when, I, when, when your name came up on the matching site, I was like, I have to talk to you. It didn't matter what, what a, anyone else that came up on the match I had to talk to you about this. And I, I'm just intrigued by everything that you've been through and everything that, like we were talking about the Villisca murder house. Now, to, yep. to me, that's iconic because I've seen about it. I've seen it on TV. I've read about it. And the fact that you were there, I want your autograph. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me explain. I was there. Let me, let me explain a little bit. I did a radio. I did a lot of radio in the last 20 years. 
and um, one of the shows, they were talking about predecessor energy. They asked me, the question came up about predecessor energy. And so they said, you know, the um, show was in the Midwest. And I honestly can't remember what state the Villisca House is. And it was some flat state. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I can, Illinois, Ohio, Iowa. I just honestly don't remember. Um and they said, well, what do you think? And I said, you know, with these, all these terrible things happened and these, this whole family was murdered. And for your listeners who are not familiar with the Villisca Murder House, let me give you just a very brief description of what happened. This is a small town. And, you know, Sunday night, and, and Jimmy, if I forget any of the details, you know, be sure to you know, correct me here. Sure. And they went to church, and some friends came back. So you have the mom and the dad, and I think four kids, and then two cousins came to spend the night. So there were there were eight people in that house Sunday night. And the neighbors are so used to this. This is a sweet family. Um, I think the father worked for John Deere, which was another very interesting element in this incredible mystery. And so they, you know, the the neighbors are used to them coming out and starting the laundry and opening up the blinds and waiting hello, and it was cricket. There was nothing. There's no sound coming from the house the next morning. Um, they didn't see the girls. They It's like, well, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. There's always somebody out. And, you know, time went on. So I, if I remember correctly, they brought the sheriff to knock on the door because something, the neighbors had their psychic sense and said something's terribly wrong. And they looked in the windows, and as soon as the police, you know, really looked, they could see the murder victims in the front rooms, and they were the children. And it, I think if, if you were the first police officer on the scene, that would have just been gut-wrenching. And so they cleared the area and cordoned it off. Unfortunately, they were supposed to have cleared the area, but they didn't. And so many people tromped through. They didn't understand how to preserve a murder scene because it was in the right around the turn of the century. It was like in the in the teens, I think. Mm-hmm. I remember what year this was. And when when that happened, they lost a lot of the evidence. And so um, on the show, they're asking me, you know, what happened? You know, what did I think? And I said, you know, I I don't know. But as an experiment, what happens if I go ahead and remote view the house? And so the radio show host got the owner's permission. Because if you are doing remote viewing, you don't just, you know, say, oh, I'm going to remote view that house. Well, somebody owns it. It's like walking into somebody's bedroom and saying, oh, I'm here. Can I look around? <laughs> well, it's a, you know, you, you don't do those things. You ask permission. So once I was given permission, I did remote view the house. And remember, the house, all, they, were, they were making money because they were offering it up for people to go have a ghostly experience where you could spend the night in the Villisca murder house. And ooh, wouldn't that be cool? And so they were, people were doing Ouija boards and they were doing tarot and they were doing satanic rituals. So this is a really, really dark house now. I can't imagine living next door to that. It would be horrible. So 
you know, I know that that has gone on. It's now a moneymaker for the family. And so I remote viewed the house. And I crossed over all of the family members. The, the murderers were hiding in the closets, waiting to kill them. So they were so tired, they didn't even really open their closets. And when they were asleep, these people came out and just killed them. So they never, none of them made a sound. They tiptoed through and murdered every family member. And someone was pretty tall because they used, the axe they used hit the ceiling when they were murdering the parents. And there was a, a bizarre amount of rage when you murder people this way. And I could see these two men. There were two men who did this. They were contracted to do this. In addition to the rage that they had within them, if you have that much, if you can commit murder of little girls and little boys, there's something really dead inside of you. And so they slipped out, locked the door behind them so it was like nobody could figure out. Because in that era, people did not lock their front doors. They didn't lock their back doors. You trusted your neighbors. You lived in a small town. You, you trusted and I, I think it was kind of a death of innocence for the, you know, for the, for Velisca. But when you remote view, when I remote view, I go back through the stacks of time. Because there had to have been something detrimental in that area that would have caused that piece of property to be in resonance with that much negativity and death. So you can't just look at the scene and say, oh my gosh. So I crossed over the murderers, and I cleared the house, and then I looked at the predecessor energy that was there. And Native Americans were so much wiser than all of us, I swear, if we had just paid attention to what they tried to teach us. Native Americans knew how to read the land, and they knew that that stretch of property had vicious stinging insects. It had horrible plants on it. It had plants that were diseased. They would never have put a dwelling on it. You might have put your dead on it, but you certainly would have put anything living on that piece of property because the probability would be that it would probably, something terrible would likely happen to you. And so the native native people wouldn't have used that particular stretch. And basically it was an extremely toxic ley line. And we know this, I've studied ley lines and those listeners who have also studied ley lines, those listeners who are dowsers know this far better than I do. And I'm looking at how horrible this piece of property was and that it was already in resonance with darkness. And no Native American in his right mind would have spent the night there, much less put a house on it. But when you clear the trees and you don't see the signs, you would have no way of knowing. So this family innocently put their house there. And they were all right for a while. I mean, they're, you know, you would call them good Christian people. They went to church and, you know, they sang and they, they, had, they had tried to improve the property inadvertently, didn't know that that's what they were doing. But something about this murder had something to do with the John Deere company. No one could quite figure out what it was. They never found the murderers. I couldn't tell you who they were. 
the victims couldn't have identified them because they were dead and these men were gone. It was a, it was a horrific situation. And the, the children were horrified when they saw their bodies and their families' bodies. It was really bad. So then I went back on, you know, a week later, went back on the show, and, and the owner and his wife were there. His wife was one of the cousins of the original children in that house. Really? Yes. Her aunt was the mother of the family. And she didn't want her husband to buy it, to make it, you know, a site where people could do all these things. She just, she didn't want to do that, but they bought the house anyway, and they make something of an income from it. And she was supposed, her her aunt was supposed to have gone and visited something, but she didn't go, so she lived. And she talked about the horror everyone felt with these deaths and um, how horrible it was. And so I said, did you feel any difference when I cleared it? And he said, yeah, it felt amazing after you cleared it. But, you know, we have people come in and they did Ouija boards and, you know, they did all these, they did tarot cards, which brought in all this horrible darkness. And so, um, you know, they had seances. And so, yeah, it's, you know, it looks, it's still, it, you know, it took about two weeks because it was pretty good clearing, but, you know, it's pretty horrible again. That's what I, I heard that the, they do capture um, spirits at the Belisca house. They well, do, they do capture evidence of spirits at the Belisca house. Well, you have to remember, there, the Belisca murder house is a magnet. Remember, people are also drinking in that house. For some reason, alcohol, because alcohol, that's why bars are such a terrible place, especially if you're psychic. Alcohol lowers your frequency to make your auric field drop. It's like shields, shields drop. When you are drinking, any ghost can walk into your body. So if you're a guy who's drinking and you've already got ghosts with you, or there are ghosts already who are there from the previous people who were there, yeah, you're going to have ghosts there. But you're also going to have lower realm intelligences. These little dark guys with the red eyes. They're these horrible. They were in the movie Ghost. It was an incredibly accurate depiction. I removed a ton of them from the house, but they'll just come back if, unless you do something that changes it. Now I did. They hear, didn't want anything to change. I did hear someone. I'm not going to mention who because I <laughs> may get in trouble for that. But I did hear someone say of note that. That house is also portal. Well, they it wasn't a portal when I cleared it because I closed that portal. Okay. But once you go back to doing all those terrible things, it's going to be a portal again. Well, the Ouija board can uh, can open a portal. The Ouija board, if they're doing Ouija boards and seances, they're opening up doorways. That's the whole point. That's what's supposedly fun. When you live in the world I live in and you see the torture that souls go through, there isn't anything fun about it. It's just sad. What's your opinion of Ouija boards? Ouija boards are are tools of the dark side. If somebody has a Ouija board in their house, the Ouija board itself is designed as a doorway. Now, I know I, I know you, you said you're not a fan of the Catholic religion. I know that the Catholic religion frowns upon it severely 
Well, yeah, because they want only their magic to work on you. Well, I, <laughs> I, I've seen I've seen some bad things happen with with the Ouija board myself. Whether whether it's have. whether it's mind over matter or what, but I've seen some bad things happen with a Ouija board, and I I don't like them at all. And and justifiably so. These are tools. You know, the light side and the dark side are in a face-off right now. And they'll use any tool they can. It used to be that you have chain letters, and then there were chain emails. I haven't seen those in a while. No. Ouija boards, tarot cards absolutely open up a doorway. And the tarot card readers and the Ouija board people, they do those a lot. You end up, the beings on the other side that, quote, give you the information once you do it, they own you because you didn't pay them for it. You think you're connecting to some spirit guide, but it's just a black magician on the other side tapping into your energy field. And you'll discover that your health goes downhill and your finances go downhill and your car has mechanical problems and you have water leaks in your house and your house never feels clean. It isn't the, that you're getting ghosts. It's that you're getting lower realm intelligences and these black magicians. You sometimes see this with people who do channeling. You don't need those things. I think I'm probably the only psychic that encourages people to use blessing and prayer I, because it's anathema to the to these tools. I have I now you see all these new all this new equipment that's out there. I don't know if you follow any of it. The the ov- ovulus and. Uh, what is it? The SB7 Spirit Box. To me, those are just electronic Ouija boards. Remember, if you really want to find ghosts, go to an emergency room of any hospital. And when I go into a hospital, they come at me in clouds. And I noticed in um, there are several psychic shows where the psychic has a horrible time in a hospital. You know, the, the show The Medium with Patricia Arquette. I mean, it nearly drove her crazy. Hospitals are full of ghosts. Um, in addition to funeral homes. Oh, well, <laughs> of course. What a concept. <laughs> Reality. So, so trying to go to a house and, and see something there, and I understand that the fascination is there. I get it. It is fascinating. It is mental popcorn to want to understand the unknown, to want to figure it out. But let me ask you this, and they're hunting and they're finding all these things and they're getting readings and maybe they find a child, but that was someone's child. That was someone who was loved. That's a child who has no idea where her mommy and daddy are. She's alone. She's afraid. And there is no one to talk to and there is no one to help her or a little boy who fell off the swing at the playground and he thinks he's still swinging, but you think there's a ghost there because you see the swing swinging. It's just a child who has no idea they're dead, that they swung too high and when they fell, they died. And I, I actually had this happen with one of my granddaughters. I get a phone call from my son and he says, you know, um, there's something here because the baby is really, really, really upset. And he's, we've never heard this cry or this up. She's just so upset. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll look around. 
Well, this little girl ghost had followed my granddaughter home from school. She's 10. And she says, I said, why are you stabbing the baby? And she said, because he can see me and he, he, you know, he responds to me. So it's a lot of fun. And I pinch him and I can stick him and, and he can see me. And I said, okay, but you know, how did you come to be here? And he said, well, I followed his sister home. She can't see me. And, and I said, so where's your mommy? And she said, well, my mommy just cries all the time. She just sits and she cries and she won't talk to me. I'm so mad. Mommy won't talk to me. And I said, sweetie, what was the last thing you remember? She said, I was swinging. I said, you were at the playground. So tell me, tell me about your day. Oh, we went to the playground and mommy and I were so happy and we were swinging and swinging and I was flying. And I said, did you let go? She said, yeah, I let go of the swing. And, and then the next thing I know, mommy's crying and crying and she won't talk to me. Why won't my mommy talk to me? And I said, sweetheart, it's because when you let go, you died. And your mommy can't see you and your mommy can't hear you. I'm so sorry you died. But see this little girl angel I brought for you? She's going to take you into that beautiful light. And I bet you'll find your grandmother there. You mean I'm not going to go home and see mommy? And I said, no, sweetie, it's over. It's over now. And she crossed over. And then Jack stopped crying. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That puts a lump in your throat. Yeah. These are, these are souls who are desperate for our help. I wish I could talk to ghost hunters and get them to use the crossing over prayer everywhere they go. The amount of spiritual service would be incredible. I had a radio show host. I, I did a bunch of shows with him. He's in Belgium. And he took the prayer. He was one of my beta testers. And he took the crossing over prayer after it was first written in 2012. And he walked through the battlefields of Europe, which was kind of jaw-dropping to me, but that's what he did. And he would say it over and over and over. And he started hearing, thank you, thank you, thank you. A lot of the soldiers didn't know they were dead. They're still fighting on those battlefields. They're not in graveyards. It certainly was true in the Civil War. They're still on the battlefield. Well, it's like Gettysburg. It's, it's like Gettysburg. I mean, I've certainly, I have cleared a lot of, a lot of battlefields in, in all these years. And I would encourage anyone who finds this fascinating, I applaud you. Use new tools. Take this prayer. I have, you know, you can buy prayer cards even. If you don't remember it, take a card or put it, you know, it, put it on your phone as a, it's an audio book and just play it. And what will happen is you cannot imagine the gratitude that you have stopped their suffering. Imagine that that's you because this is the compassion every single one of us will want for ourselves. It makes sense. It, it, what you're saying makes absolute sense. And I've often thought about things like that because you die and it's a journey you're taking on your own. You know, you're you're here on earth and you have your spouse, you have your family, you have your children, 
But when you die, it's kind of like a solo trip that you're taking. Yes, it is. And there's so many things that you have to, I don't want to say you have to remember, but you have to take on on your own. And it would be nice to have a little bit of help. That's all I'm suggesting. And I'm, I'm going to tell you that it doesn't matter whether you're Jewish or Hindu, Muslim or atheist. When you find yourself in this level of darkness, there is a cold loneliness that starts to permeate your core. And there is no one to ask for help. And we know that this is true because in the 23rd Psalm, it starts out with, Lo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why would it say that unless there are dark things there? And the 23rd Psalm exists in every faith in the world in some form. I don't know. I, You know, in all honesty, this is something that I've thought about, thinking that when you do die, you're on your own until you find that light. You just got to remember to walk into the light. But sometimes you need that push because that could be a frightening thing also. Or this story. My brother was a contract negotiator for Screen Actors Guild in Hollywood. And I got a frantic call from him one night and he said, you know, a longtime friend of mine, she's a producer. Uh, I can feel her. There's been a terrible accident and she's dead. And you can you just remote view and find her, which I followed my ACA cord through my brother and I found her and she her car broke down and she's standing by the side of the road she was hit by a car and killed and there's police there and she's as a ghost standing there on the side of the road on um, thinking she's on her phone so I appear to her I I'm remote viewing and I I look like this light person she it, and when you read the ghost books they call me the light lady okay and she says oh my gosh you look like someone who could help me. Listen, my phone, I don't know what's wrong. My phone doesn't work. And this, this cop, he just is not talking to me. He is just ignoring me. Now, can you make some sense out of this? And I said, well, unfortunately, and I'm bringing, as I'm doing this, I'm bringing in an angel. So I don't do this alone. And I said, I, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but you were hit by a car and you died. That's why the police officer can't hear you. You're dead, and, and I'm, I've come to help you cross over. You know, your friend Pierre, he called, and he asked me to help you. And she said, oh, no, 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 no. I have a nail appointment tomorrow. I have a birthday <laughs> party on Saturday, and I have a meeting with Paramount next week. I cannot be dead. This is not happening to me. And I'm bringing the light closer to her, and I said, unfortunately, it's over. I am so sorry to be the one that has to tell you this, but you died in that accident. And see this sweet angel here? She's going to walk you across that light bridge, and you're going to move right into heaven. And her jaw dropped, and she crossed over. And otherwise, she would still be standing on the side of the road. And every time I see all these little crosses on the side of the road, I send an angel to cross them over as quickly as possible. Because more accidents will happen there because of the magnetic between the ghosts. I, I, I cringe when I see those roadside memorials. Yep. 
I can never understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, I can never understand why someone would set up a, a roadside memorial. The last thing I want to do is remember where a loved one died. I, I That just, that bothers me. That bothers me to no end. Well, some people want to memorialize their relative. They also want people to be careful there because someone died. The problem is, it's a distraction, and it can cause an accident. It can. It can, but I just, for the, per, for the family, why would you want to memorialize where your loved one died? It just, that's like, that's like somebody getting shot in the middle of the street, and you want to put a cross there or a memorial there. I, it just it doesn't sit well with me. And I feel bad for the person that, that died, to be honest with you. Uh, of course we do. Uh, you know, we all would feel bad about that. No, I feel bad that the fact that they're memorializing it in yeah. that fashion. Put a stone up where you're burying them or, you know, an urn with their name on it if you're cremating them. But to put it up where, where it happened, that's, it doesn't sit well with me. But that's just me. That's just my opinion. But anyway... This has been a blast, and I, I got news for you. This is only the first episode that you're on. You're coming back. You're coming back for another one. I would be delighted. I think we're a great team. I think so too, because I know I'm going to get questions about this. So I know we're going to do another episode, whether you like it or not. <laughs> oh, I would love it. Are you kidding? Because you. By giving your listeners a different point of view, I would say 99% of people are kind and compassionate. If it weren't, we couldn't live in this world. Right. Exactly. And by offering them a tool or a series of tools, we're, we're giving them something that maybe they can use to help their loved one. And they don't have to pay a medium. Exactly. You shouldn't have to pay a medium to cross over your loved one. No. And people, you know, people, people, some people just don't believe in anything. But people believe in this. And it, it's important. It's important that, that there's a voice like you out there. Because too many people will, will say, oh, it, this is nonsense, this is not. People believe in this. People feel this. And it's evident. You turn on the TV, there's TV shows about this. But it's almost like a secret, like they have to keep it a secret. And it's coming out into the light now, where people can actually talk about this. And you're like a pioneer. Do you know what I'm yes, saying? Yes, I do. And I, I've been at this a long time. And that's why I don't have my own podcast. I did for a long time. But I have a greater reach through podcast hosts who have different listening audiences because the opportunity to share information with all different kinds of people in different parts of the world and different countries is, is remarkable because at the end of the day, we're all the same. Exactly. We love our families. Exactly. You know, my my niece died when she was six years old, and I crossed her over. I wouldn't want someone to hunt her. 
Exactly. I would want someone to help her. And I think that most people, if they look at it slightly differently, would open up their compassionate hearts and find their courage and say this simple prayer. I'm gonna have you to... want me to do you want me to read it? Yes, if you would, definitely. I'm my eyes aren't the best. Okay. The crossing over prayer. Dearest Lord above, I humbly request that you take any and all souls who have found my divine light of service into the heaven world right now. I ask that an angel wrap each soul in a blanket of healing light right now. I pray that every single soul will use the light bridge provided by my angelic team to to transition into the heaven world right now. I send love and healing to all souls, no matter how they died, no matter their level of guilt, without any judgment or prejudice whatsoever, right now. May the light of your love, Father, embrace and keep all of these souls now and forever. Amen. That's beautiful. And the reason I say right now is because there is no time in the fourth dimension. That's absolutely beautiful. And if you go on to Tina's website, that prayer is there on her website. And what's the, what's the name of your website, Tina, the address? Ghosthelpers.com. And that address is going to be in the show notes for this episode. Now, Tina is also an author. She has eight books out, right? It's eight? Yes, I have eight books out. And you'll be able to find those books on her website. They're available on Amazon. They're in paperback, hardcover, and digital, right? Yes, and and most of them are audiobooks. I'm still working on getting the rest of them up as audiobooks. So you're going to be able to find all of those on her website. And again, the website is going to be in the show notes for this episode. So believe me, you want to check out her website. I checked it out. I I love her website. To be honest with you, there's a lot of good information on there. A lot. You can spend some time on that. And I'm talking Tina in to doing a second episode with us. So if you have questions for Tina, send them to me at jimmy at famousapple.com. Send me the questions, or you can go on to living with a disability at www.famousapple.com forward slash group. Put your questions on there. That All that information will be in the show notes also. And we'll get Tina back on here, and she can answer your questions for you. And if you really want to come on and be on the podcast with Tina, let me know, and we'll make arrangements for that as well. So there's a lot going on here. And I want to thank you, Tina, for being here today. This this has been amazing. I, I am so glad. I'm so glad it is. You are happy. And, and I again, I cannot thank you enough for the opportunity to share what is actually good news for people. I, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on and sharing it. <laughs> it's it's amazing. You, you're you, you're like a modern day Lorraine Warren. That's the only way I can I can. You're you're helping people. You're helping the living and the dead. Yes, that's the goal: is to help the living and the dead. You you are, you actually are. You're 
you're you're giving peace to people who have lost somebody, and you're giving peace to the pe- person that was lost. That's the yes. way I see it. That is absolutely the goal, is to provide that that peace, especially right now when we have so many people who have, quote, died suddenly. Exactly. And we, we well, need to help them. We went, we, we, we're going through a pandemic where people are losing their lives well, yes. at record numbers, and they don't even know it. They're, they're going into a hospital and not coming out. That's that, right. And that, they're going in. A lot of them are alone. Exactly. They're dying alone. They're di- exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, thankfully, that's slowed down quite a bit. But still, it's happened. It, it, it boggles the mind to think about it. But, I mean, put yourself in their position. And like I said, they've gone into a place where they've gone on a journey by themselves. You always need... You, People always need people to help them. So you're doing you're doing a great job out there, Tina. Thank you're, you so much. I really appreciate it. You are. You're doing you're doing a phenomenal job. I for one, I want to thank you. Well, I like I say, we're a great team. I think so. I think so. So thanks again for being on here today, and stay on the line because I want to talk to you about your next your your next episode. <laughs> Okay. Whether you want to do it or not, you're going to be on again. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thanks again. Have a great day, everybody. I'd like to thank Tina Irwin for joining us today, and I'd like to thank you, the listener, for being here today. And I want to remind you, check out... Apple a day chat at www.famousapple.com forward slash Apple chat. Hey, we'll be back again with another Apple a day podcast this week. You don't want to miss it. Check out our Apple fritters in the morning. And remember, Things can always be worse, my friends. That's right. Somebody somewhere right now is wishing that they were in your position so things could always be worse. You've been listening to An Apple a Day. My name is Jimmy Apple. Have a great one today, my friends. Thanks for listening to An Apple a Day with Jimmy Apple, your gateway to a happy, healthy life. Join our community at www.famousapple.com. See you next time.